Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about what do you do when your child's best friend moves or goes to another school or when there is a friend breakup. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So this is a really hard one. Now, one of the things to remember in your children's lives is all of these things that happen. Changes and transitions with friendships moving in and out of friendships, changing schools, your own child moving schools, or their best friend moving away. These are all things that are really hard for them. And our heart certainly breaks when this happens for our children. And our tendency often is to fix it, is to um, smooth it out for them, make it as easy as possible for them. But there's something really important to remember here. All of these bumps, all of these contours and contrasts, even big ones, are really important for your child. That's how they're practicing to be adults. And if they don't have a substantial number of experiences with healthy adversity, when they're little, they're not going to have the experience, the perspective, the understanding to be able to deal with big things that happen later in life. So those lessons are really important for them to learn. And you have to walk this very delicate balance of supporting them and helping them, but not smoothing them out to the point that they don't feel it. The brain needs to have these experiences and it will build neural pathways and neural hardware around those experiences so that when another experience happens like that, they'll have some hardware. They'll literally have some programming in their brain to handle bumps when they come and bumps always come. As they get later in life, breakups and um, not getting jobs that they want and uh, not making sports teams, There's there you can't do anything about that. Those things are going to happen. And so the younger they are and the more experience they have um, dealing with those things and developing the neural hardware for that, the, the more resilient and emotionally organized they will be when those things actually happen later in life. They'll actually have the hardware there. So it's really difficult for us, but this is important. So friendships ending, you know, a, a best friendship breaking up, as hard as that is, and as much as we want to call the other parent and fix it and make it better, sometimes it's better not to do that. Same thing when your child starts school, if some of their friends are in the other class and we want to call the principal and we want to fix it, there's so much learning. There's so much richness in emotional experience that they can learn from being in a new class, making new friends, making new best friends, still being friends with the old friends that is priceless and so important for them later on in life. So this is a really important part of this podcast. I really want people to get that message that that is part of parenting is stepping back just enough that your kids can have these experiences, but you're using the calm technique to love them enough to deeply listen. So they feel validated, they feel heard, and you're not jumping in to fix it for them. So what do you do when your child's best friend breaks up with them or moves? So the first step 
is to just stay present with your child. So I'll give you an example. My, my daughter Zoe is always now 26. When we, we moved, when she was, I can't remember what grade it was, maybe fifth grade. And when we moved, she was very sad about moving and leaving her old friends. But she was really quite excited at the idea that she could find a best friend. And then she had this crazy dream that she would actually find someone else who was as small as she was. So it was very tiny for her age. And, you know, she starts her new school and ends up finding this little girl, Celine, her name was, and they became the best of friends. They were attached at the hip and they were equal in height, which is just unbelievable. And Zoe was over the moon. She was so excited. And that friendship was lovely for, for a long time. And then Celine's parents very suddenly, actually this happened within like a two week period, um, moved, announced they were moving to France. And I think Zoe had literally under a month to, to process this and deal with this. Now, what often happens with best friends is they become so connected and there's a real um, culture now with kids around having a BFF, having a best friend and you share the little necklaces and it's, a, it's very dramatic to the point where kids really are distraught and upset when they don't have a BFF uh, and think there's something wrong with them that they don't have a best friend. Um, I'll do another podcast on that because that's a whole other conversation. Um, but often they will... Um, kind of exclude other friends and only kind of have sleepovers with that child and do things with that child at the expense of developing some other friendships. So that has sort of been the case with Celine. So Zoe really didn't know what she was going to do. So here's how it went. She kind of came into the room. I was actually seeing clients at the time. So she, she went to my mom who looked after the kids often when I was working and just lost it. That's it. My life is over. I'm never going to have a best friend again. I might as well give up now. Just and really hysterical crying. My mom, who was a lovely empathic person, but I certainly did not uh, train her in the calm technique or mirroring, did what most parents or grandparents would do. She said, oh, honey, I know you feel like that now, but you know, there'll be another best friend for you. And what about all the other friends you have? And that just made Zoe more hysterical. No, it's Celine. You don't understand. And the more my mom tried to put it in perspective for her, the more hysterical Zoe got. And then I think my mom even said, well, what about Jackie? Jackie's a nice girl. Why did, what if, what if you started being better friends with Jackie? She could be, no, Jackie's this and that. Jackie's weird. No, that wouldn't work. And so now the escalation just continued and continued. Zoe became more and more sort of unraveled. My mom then started getting really frustrated because she's doing her best. She's trying to help. And it just wasn't going well. I was sort of semi hearing this from my office because I was working from home that day. Anyway, I came out, I certainly didn't give my mother a, a mirroring lesson. She did the best that she could. And I loved her for that. I went up to Zoe, who was now hysterically sobbing in her room and just kind of sat with her. And what we did is we really just stayed in that space. I held space for her there. And as she's crying and saying, I'm, I'm never going to have another friend again, I would not counteract that. I would use the calm technique. So go back to the first and second episode for the actual steps for the breakdown of those steps. But I sat with her and I said, you know what? Celine's your best friend. You guys were literally arm in arm everywhere you go. I'm sure when you imagine yourself in school without her, it's going to feel like there's a giant hole there. You're not going to know what to do. Now I know that feels counterintuitive. It feels like you're going to make, I would make Zoe worse in that situation, but Zoe actually felt deeply heard. And so as she would say things like that, 
I would stay in that place with her. Now I did not have the affect of, oh, oh my God, you're, you're just going to feel like your arm is empty and you don't know what I, I had no affect about that. It wasn't happening to me. So I was very careful to keep that boundary there. But I was deeply able in that moment to understand what that experience was going to feel like for you, for her. And so as I did that, Zoe started to lift. And it really wasn't that long before she was saying things like, well, this is a long time ago. So, uh, you know, she said, can, I, can we MSN together? Do you, think, do you think we could go and visit France? And now I could feel in the conversation that she was ready to shift to how can we figure out a way to make this better? What can we do? You know, can we do something special before Celine goes? And we probably, that was a big, big deal for Zoe. And we only had a few more conversations about it. And that transition when Celine left was a much um, more minor deal than any of us expected it to be. And Zoe made a very nice transition and she did end up becoming very good friends with Jackie and a few other kids and actually grew and learned from that experience. And having that moment actually showed Zoe looking back, something really big can happen like that and I can be okay. And I didn't need everything to fall apart around me. And I didn't need my parents to be flapping and freaking out and trying to fix it. Um, I did it. I did it on my own. And that's really why being able to listen and help your child through those bumps is really important. Now, it's also important to understand when there is a breakup or a friend breakup, it's devastating. It's like a divorce. It's a big deal for them because they don't have any other experiences. And that's why life is about collecting these experiences. So kids can look back and go, oh, that's a kind of a more minor thing that happened to me. That was a really big thing that happened to me. This thing that's happening to me now, where does that fit on that continuum? And it's the brain's ability to sort of compare and contrast experiences that actually builds emotional resilience. So very, very important. The takeaway messages from this podcast is really brush up on your calm technique. That's really what you would use in these situations. It would be checking your own fears and emotions. If you're thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. She's going to be depressed. She's never going to make another friend. If that's what you're doing, you're going to be projecting that to your child. So really making sure you're checking that, trusting in your child's internal emotional capacity to get through this, and then valuing this as one of those experiences that kids can use later in life to contrast and compare. So thank you very much. I think this is a really important conversation. You can certainly see how you can apply this to all kinds of different things that will be and maybe are happening in your children's lives. For a deeper dive, we've got the Connected Parenting Masterclass, the online course. There's the video version. There's also the version where I'm actually engaging actively with people in a monthly coaching call and in the closed Facebook group. We've got our village, which is such an incredible community, weekly um, parenting group where parents go for support and understanding and helping each other. It's the most lovely, warm kind of place. Um, there's two connected parenting therapists or coaches in there at any given time. Uh, my books are out there. Uh, it is certainly, uh, it's a journey parenting. It can be really, really hard and we're doing our best to help you along the way. And I will see you again on the next episode of connected parenting. <laughs>